0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardill. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome to the weekend, my friends. About money has just begun. I've said repeatedly on the air people in motion come in contact with people in motion. People at rest, they remain at rest. So, my friends remain in motion and uh, I continue to push, go back to work and remain engaged. Uh, you know, and, and the work environment today is so cushy. Good golly, if, if my parents were alive and they saw what society does to help employees have a pleasant day at work, their jaw would drop. My parents were factory workers. They had a grind. My dad said, Wolfie, well, I had to wiggle my ass to make sure I didn't get fired when I was an immigrant to this country. And he did that. He wiggled his ass. And uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, we have a little cafe at work and we congregate with one another it was in the morning coffee. Uh it's good. It's, it's a way for us to say hello and our greetings. And who knows, you share some business wisdom or you bump into some new people. I love meeting new people. And a couple weeks ago, I was having my cappuccino at work, and this lovely person looked at my name tag and "I guess a name tag? Oh, yeah, it was a conference lineup." So, look at me, Wolfgang. Hi, I think I know you from somewhere. I said, "Well, nice to meet you. Your name is?" And she said, "My name is Sandra uh, Swellum." Correct? Yeah, right. said very nice. What brings you here? And she said, "Well, I am with the Humber River Hospital Foundation. Uh, I'm working on some, well, uh, donor engagement, uh, shall I say?" So, wow. So I'm going to say welcome, Sandra, for Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. Uh, Donor engagement uh, basically means you're in the fundraising business. Um, Doesn't the government take care of our hospitals for us?
2: They do. They cover the basics. um, But anything that ties to innovation is absolutely donor-funded usually. So the status quo is absolutely covered by OHIP but anything extra that pushes boundaries, that innovates, that makes healthcare better, more accessible, more equitable. Research, for example, robotics equipment, that is all absolutely donor funded.
1: The world of robotics is fascinating. Uh, uh, intuitive Surgical uh, produces the Da Vinci system. Uh, the symbol on that stock is ISRG, ISRIG, Jack and I call it. We've been looking at that stock forever, have never put the pin in it. Uh, one day we shall. It's a, breakthrough, breakthrough company. Uh, so is that the type of robotics uh, equipment you're looking at? The something that uh, 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 Isric would um, produce?
2: Absolutely. So we just recently acquired the new DaVinci XI, which is used by our surgeons. And that robot is absolutely sophisticated. And robotic surgery, most people don't know, is 100% donor funded.
1: That is incredible. Um, and it's nice to see that you actually were down at the Canaccord offices. Um, uh, working with one of your partners and ours as well, Ron Sedrin. Uh He's one of our uh, bankers, managing directors at Canaccord. He donates his time to...
2: He's a um, member on our board, so he's on our board of directors here at the Humber River Hospital Foundation, and he's just a fantastic connector, philanthropist, and an amazing volunteer.
1: Well, it's, it's our responsibility, Jack, yours as well, my friend, uh, to speak with our clients uh, about the importance and the responsibility that they have. Our clients are the 1% to 2% of society. And as such, it is that group of people that, first of all, is taxed the most. Yes, they pay the most amount in taxes, but they also donate an awful lot. Um, to what degree does Humber River Hospital rely on uh, donations relative to government funding? What percent is it?
2: Um, It's a smaller percentage. We're a growing foundation. However, as I mentioned, anything that we need in terms of robotic surgery or um, we're doing exciting things in terms of my child, expansion of our emergency room. I don't know if people know, we have the busiest ER in this province. We see about 135 individual visits at our Apotex emergency department annually. Sorry, sorry. How, how many? One hundred and thirty-five thousand. A hundred and thirty-five thousand visitors in your
1: ER.
2: Yes, every year in our Apotex emergency room.
1: Yeah, can you do the math on the, what's the daily? What, what's the <laughs> daily frequency? That's a big number. Yeah, we are, have. Are about, they lined up outside to get in?
2: Yeah, we have about seventy to eighty ambulances a day sometimes coming through the emergency room.
1: Wow. I, well, I I may cry. <sighs> I'm starting to cry. My brother Russell. He um he was a guest of yours. He uh, was hooked up to the dialysis machine uh, three to four times a week for his final three years of life.
2: I'm sorry to hear that.
1: You took good care of him. Thank you. Um, talk about that department. Yeah, our dialysis department. I'm lost for words. I have to re, uh, regain my composition here. It just uh, it, it kills me.
2: We actually just recently lost Dr. Petras, who was world-renowned, because he actually um, helped bring home dialysis to this country. Meaning that people that rely on dialysis were able to receive dialysis in their homes. That still continues at Humber to this day. Once again, donor funding helps support that. You just have to imagine the quality of life that you can have if you're able to dialysis at home rather than in the hospital setting. Um, We have a lot of patients that rely on dialysis. It's very stressful. They spend many, many hours, as you would have known, um, in hospital. Um, Probably about six a day. Six hours a day, right? And I want to three, three,
1: three to week. four days a week. Absolutely. So, depending on case, some can be every day. Absolutely. Uh, and some can be longer depending on the condition. Um, so, I know you guys did a great job taking Thank care you. of them. Um, donor engagement, friends at home, please, um, if this is dear to you, uh, it certainly is a great cause. And obviously, you know, brands exist. <laughs> In the world of hospitals, I, I thinking about sick kids, mm-hmm. and it, it's those brands that get, I think, a disproportionate amount of money. Uh, but obviously, Humber River uh, is a busy hospital and requires funding to continue to do the great work it does. And actually, I just spoke with, a. am uh, going to be a pallbearer on the weekend, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to say, but um, may the soul of Mr. Wilson uh, live on. He, um, he went to Humber River. He got turned away and ended up in Etobicoke. And it, all of his records were at Humber. And when he went to Tobacco, they they weren't as familiar with his case, but Humber was full. Uh, they couldn't take him.
3: Uh, and as right, I say, that's really a common theme you hear about the hallway medicine and all those difficult things that I think the, the government's having to deal with. And um, as Wolfgang said, I mean, the 1% are fully taxed. You can't go much more than, I think it's 55% it's and it's, it's, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. So. Excuse but, me. There's no, the t- It's still not <laughs> it's, enough to fund what we need in right, terms of health care. Too much tax. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, obviously, uh, charity matters. If Canadians want the innovative healthcare systems, Da Vinci uh, robotic system that Isrig creates, you know, they need to step up and look for opportunities to invest in that because it does benefit all of us. What, what are some of the other initiatives that you have? Sandra? I'm
2: actually glad you're talking about hallway medicine because that's something we actually don't have at Humber. And the reason we don't have hallway medicine at Humber is because we have a command center. We were the second hospital in North America to get a command center. So John Hopkins was the first. We worked closely with them on that. And I guess the easiest way to describe a command center is it's the brains of the operation. There's a lot of AI technology that goes into it It helps us with patient flow. Um, we've all had experiences in hospitals, I think, with friends and family where you're just waiting to be discharged, right? You're waiting for a blood test to come back, and you're just kind of sitting in your room waiting, waiting, Get waiting. Me wait. <laughs> Get me out of
1: here. Get me out of here.
2: Our command center will flag that. This patient is only waiting for the blood test. that has been the results. It's been an hour to follow up. It'll right. actually send that note. Yeah, I
1: once waited at the, in a hospital for about six hours for them, for, the, for them to discharge me and give me my meds. Uh, six hours. Yeah. Can I not go home and send them by cab or something? So uh, I
3: was going to say, that's obviously a practice that, a best practice that works for you. Uh, you're in good company with John Hopkins Center. Um, you know, Wolfgang's talking about going back to the office a lot. Part of going back so to the I, office. No, I, I am going to the office. Society
1: talking. needs but to go back to the office. My we point, my, my office. point <laughs> is, my
3: point is, reason to go back to the office, collaboration right? Collaboration uh, and efficiencies. Is that something that other hospitals are looking at? Is that best practices that you share with other hospitals? Are they looking to implement that?
2: Absolutely. But because the command center, once again, is kind of tied to donor funding, we really need the community to help support some of that innovation. I know in the province of Nova Scotia, their government is investing in it and their, their hospitals in the future will all be tied to one command center.
1: Yeah, May is um, Leave a Legacy Month in Canada. Uh, Legacy gifts play a pivotal role in supporting uh, the work that you obviously do. Uh, And a lot of people don't know is the Canadian government has created valuable financial incentives uh, to encourage Canadians uh, to leave a legacy through their testament, uh, i.e. when you pass away. Uh, Can you share with us a little bit of some of the extra incentives the government is offering Canadians if they leave money through their will?
2: Yeah, there are some really valuable tax incentives to encourage Canadians to leave a legacy in their gift. So, when you leave a gift, your state receives a tax credit for the full value, which adds a tax credit to your final income tax return, which will actually help you to maximize the value of your residual estate for your beneficiaries. So, that means you're leaving less to the tax man and, in the end, actually more to your family. While being able to support charities.
1: And yeah, and I assume that means uh, that, for example, if you had a cottage and your kids fight too much and they don't want it, so rather than selling that Muskoka cottage where you paid 100, let's say you paid 100 grand for the cottage and it's now worth 2 million, if you leave the $2 million uh, cottage to uh, Humbert River Hospital, uh, you, the estate will receive a $2 million um, tax Credit.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And you save the capital gains. Well, was
1: actually not a tax credit. You receive a donation receipt, uh, which will then reduce your tax owing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but basically, the long of the short, if you give a dollar, uh, the estate will save, I'm going to guesstimate, close to 50% uh, in taxes. Uh, and again, uh, death and taxes, my good friend, uh, they do exist. I'm not talking about probate taxes, by the way. If you ever think about probate taxes and you want to save probate taxes, please don't it's for the most part not worth the aggravation and it can open up um uh quagmires and and potential pitfalls uh that you never thought about uh i'm not a big fan of trying to say probate tax but state tax different story and income tax while you are alive uh our favorite way to encourage people to donate is by donating shares of companies that Jack and I purchased for you that appreciate it in value. Uh, you know, today Jack and I had a couple little chippies on our golf course. Uh, we chipped out Shopify, 25% pop to the good there. So a great example, if uh, you know we bought Shopify for clients at $50 and it's now $75, um, we could donate and receive uh, the $75 donation receipt and not Pay the capital gains tax. And that capital gains tax would be another 15% uh, of, the, of the gross value. So uh, donate shares. Donate. Sh- I cannot stress that point enough, donate shares. And I will say, um, Sandra, that Jack and I have conveyed this message on air a number of times. And we're getting a number of phone calls of clients who are saying, yes, I want to donate shares. Normally they'd give a couple hundred bucks in cash. Mm-hmm. Now they're don- donating thousands of dollars in shares uh, to Charities of their choice. Uh, And there's a lot of great causes in society. Um, Hospitals, obviously, are vital, vital, essential services. Um, And the quality of care, we all want better quality of care. Uh, To receive so, we need funding. And so those who have access and uh, where it means a little bit more to them, uh, it's an excellent, excellent cause that you're uh, working on. And I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, for the great work that you are doing. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, get right back to the show about money. That's Radio Again, any questions for Jack or I, please uh, visit us at WolfgangKlein.com or the TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Drop us a line. We're uh, happy to discuss with you how we can help you. And again, no question too big, no question too small. We will help answer
0: them all. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
2: See her lying back in her satin dress in a room where you do what you don't
1: confess. A little tribute you to, to the man. An old friend of mine used to call him Four Cord Gord. Come on, he's a lot more than that. A little iconic, iconic man. And we're actually going to give you uh, um, Bob Cajun, the other Gord. Uh, and we just may weave that into the show. But uh, John Johnston joining us uh, he's a musicologist I shall say uh, he's, a, he's a Grateful Dead fan um, former strategist actually still a part-time strategist uh, big big fan of Bay Street and very knowledgeable knowledgeable academic with a whole lot of uh, realism in his soul uh, you ever see Gordon Lightfoot JJ uh, I bet you have
4: yeah, probably about 10 times, but... Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love you. I, I knew more than once. But Jack, I, just as you said that, I looked at Jack, the big smile on Jack's face. Because my next question then is going to be, how often have you seen The Grateful Dead?
4: Uh, I don't know, 40 times. <laughs> God bless yeah.
1: so you. So you saw him a dozen times, or Gordon about 10 or 12 times. Uh, coolest uh, venue you saw at Gordon Lightfoot?
4: Uh, Massey Hall. I always saw him at Massey Hall.
1: You always saw him at Massey Hall?
4: Yeah, there was probably one other thing, but mostly Massey Hall because he did those residencies for years. And it was a great opportunity to see him.
1: I rode a boat with him back when I was in music radio. I I was involved in promoting uh, the Mariposa Folk Festival when it took place on the Toronto Island. And uh, he performed uh, in that particular year. And... uh, at the end of the show, uh, take a little boat across the harbor, get back to the mainland in, in Toronto, and uh, yeah, a little little tugboat um, took us across, and it was, it was really really nice just to rub shoulders with him a little bit. Very quiet, subdued man, um, just you know, self confident, you know, enjoyed life just the way you and I enjoy life. But uh, a fantastic, iconic uh, Canadian uh, who, of course, would have hung out with the likes of Stomp and Tom and. Uh, Joni Mitchell and
3: I'm with Bob Dylan apparently
1: did he?
4: yeah oh yeah they were buddies uh, Bob in- inducted him into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame back in 86 look at that wow
0: yeah the classics
1: well my good friends uh, I'm all about the classics and you know when, when it comes to investing money uh, I've seen it time and time and if to stick with the classics Honestly, just stick with the classics. Don't venture too far out, because uh, you, you know the further out you fall, you 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 stray. The, the more trouble you will find yourself getting into. Uh, you know, blue chip thinking. Uh, there is something to be said for that, because even that is very very difficult. Uh, JJ, uh, here we are in May. Uh, Selling May go away. Yeah. Really?
4: Yeah. The. uh, You know, there's some, you know, dynamics in the market. If you look at some of the technicals, it looks constructive. Uh, And traditionally, the year before an election, the May to October period tends to do okay. Hmm. Um, My problem is, is when when I stick with my classics, and one of the great classics for me in our business is the slope of the U.S. yield curve, the difference between the 10-year Treasury yield and the three-month T-bill yield when expressed on a constant maturity basis, when that thing uh, shifts so that the three-month bill rate is above the 10-year Treasury note yield, it's a a harbinger of recession. It's one of the better indicators we have. Uh, It's deeply inverted now. It's been inverted on a sustained basis, and that suggests a very material risk of a recession ahead. And uh, it inverted in the late month in the late days of october 2022 uh you account for some lags and you count out six to 12 months yeah uh so the window is sometime between um may the 1st and uh october of november the 1st uh, of this year so we're in a window where the economy traditionally would go into recession and when the economy goes into recession earnings get hit and you get a problem in the equity markets and uh you know, maybe we don't go quite go back to the old lows, but, uh, or we do, depending on, you know, I, I don't, I'm a bit agnostic on that. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think that the sell-and-make and seasonal weakness period this year is going to be a little more difficult than it traditionally is uh, in the pre-election year. So, uh,
0: Well, uh, I mean, JJ,
1: Jack and, Jack and I host uh, client conference calls, so it's exclusive to our 300 families who work with us. And please, if you want to be one of those families, call us and... Perhaps we can uh, work with you and help you. And I'm more than happy to, of course, see what we can do to help anyone out there. Um, preparing for our next conference call and putting together my slide decks, I just went through Tony Dwyer's work, our own resident chief uh, uh, North American strategist. And once again, show me the yield curve, uh, nicely inverted. And every time it inverts, it basically spells over recession. Looking at his earnings report card, yeah, he sees Q3 earnings, so the third quarter earnings falling some 4 to 5% which would be a year-over-year year, uh, comparison. So he's certainly in your camp, and I think this is the most widely publicized recession ever. Uh, if it comes, uh, I don't think the market's going to be that surprised unless it comes with a bit of extra vengeance. Um,
4: how do you feel about that? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, two months ago or even six, four to six weeks ago, I was thinking that, you know, this doesn't have the feel of oh eight oh nine. It it seems more, to put it in Mark Twain's um, framework, it seems to rhyme a lot more with the early nineteen nineties for the United States, and the, you know, the difficulties that have emerged in banking uh, huh. are very similar to the savings and loan crisis of the late from that ran from eighty six to ninety five. And you ended up with a, you know, fairly mild recession in the U S in hindsight, it felt terrible at the time. They always do. Uh, and you know, the, the S and P 500, I think the pullback, you know, it was a very mild bear market cause we were in a second in a long-term secular bull and it was down 15% or something. But, uh, it was kind of one of those, it was the first of the recessions where it was more U shaped than v shaped. So it was more of a, it was a bit of a grind coming out of it. And, uh, Uh, That's been kind of the framework I've been using. I still think it's the right one, but I'm a little more concerned now uh, about um, maybe it won't be as mild as I thought. I don't think it's going to be a really bad one in the U.S., and I don't think it'll be all that bad globally. I'm a little concerned about Canada because Canada looks more like 1990-92 than uh, uh, it has in other recessions. And there's lots of imbalances in Canada, and countries with imbalances tend to have more severe recessions. You know, the, the imbalance and there, there aren't severe imbalances in the U.S. outside of commercial real estate. And uh, so that's the kind of framework. But when I look at what I think that, you know, some individual strategists have, you know, a nice ding to earnings uh, over the next you know 12 to 18 months. Uh, I think the market's pretty sanguine overall. And I think that, uh, you know, for instance, we were talking about it this morning and that uh, analysts are still pretty upbeat on bank earnings. And I think they're going to get smacked really hard. And uh, I'm more concerned about the banks because I just read an interesting uh, piece of research from a series of business professors. It's hot off the press. They looked at all the call reports and stuff, and found out there was a very limited amount of hedging of interest rate risk in bank portfolios, which suggests that they're going to have. There's more problems to come. Is it in 2008-2009 type of? systemic event? I don't believe so at all. I think it's going to be more of a, as I said, the early 90s, you have a series of failures and you have tight credit and the economy grinds a bit. You know, The recession may not be too bad, but the economy will grind. And uh, so, you know, take 15% or 20% off the market from here. And that would be kind of my expectations with Canada at some risks more than the U.S.
3: So, JJ, when, when you mentioned selling may and go away and you say yes, um, just so the the listeners understand, you're not saying go 100% to cash because we're gonna have a mild recession. What what's the context around that selling main go away?
4: Well, at a place where Wolfgang and I used to work, there was uh, uh, a very good technical analyst who actually was the guy who trained John. and here's that your guy right now. Yeah. And uh, the seasonal patterns show that uh, traditionally equity markets put together most of their gains. did the adage that. Uh, our old friend Don Vila came up with, was sell in May and go away. and uh, It's just that equity markets tend to underperform normal between May and October. And in some instances, and I think that we're going to be facing that, it might be a bit more severe. So it's a, it's a you know, I find a lot of people rebalance in May and October. So it's not go away, it's just rebalance and make sure you're in line.
3: Uh, right. For for a more challenging environment. And part of that challenging environment, like you said, are, I'm going to say, the, the the mid-cap banks down in the U.S., the regional banks. Um, yeah. Do you see commercial real estate um, and those banks causing a p- potential systemic risk? Um, and you mentioned about bank earnings. Which bank earnings are you talking about? The Canadian banks, the mega-cap uh, banks you, in the U.S. have done actually quite well. Uh, so is it the regionals you're very concerned about?
4: Well, we're looking at, if you look at, say, for instance, the S&P 500, the forward earnings, uh, they haven't shown any indication that there's a problem or a recession on the horizon even with that i don't think it's a, i think there's going to be a number of banks in trouble is it going to turn into a major problem um, no i don't um i think one of the key things for me is that uh so far you know you know they've been dealing with these banks one-on-one but they've been you know finding kind of standard solutions for them where the depositors get protected the banks get wound up losses are imposed to, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation takes a bit of a hit uh, in its fund. It's going to have to raise funds. Um, the pro- you know, If we look back to 08-09, um, they were managing things. It was a much bigger problem, but they were managing things. They wound up Bear Stearns and it ended up in the hands of J.P. Morgan. And in that fateful weekend in September of 2008 – You know, they had two problems on their hands. One was Merrill Lynch, which ended up getting packaged off to uh, Bank Bank of America, America. and then they brothers brothers to fail. They didn't treat these and AIG, of course, consistent fashion. And you know, even right after that, there was a period of calm before all heck broke loose. And the key thing is, is that when the regulators wind up these these institutions, to me is that they treat them all in a consistent manner. So you know what the rules of the game are. As soon as you start treating different institutions differently, uh, counterparty researches, the trading stops, and the system seizes up. And really, it was this after, like the problems were already there before Lehman Brothers. But the fact that Lehman Brothers was treated differently, the rules of the game shifted. The rug was pulled out from under the market. And then they had trouble getting their rescue package through because the Senate Republicans voted it down. Uh, that seven hundred billion TARP program, and
3: That's
4: uh, right. uh, I think that uh, uh, if the problem is big enough, uh, they're going to have to use federal money, and that involves Congress getting involved. And the House of Representatives in the U.S. right now is not sounding overly adult-like in its approach to economic
3: <laughs> policy. I was going to say it, it's good to know that they they voted it down one day, the market cra- like cratered the next day, and brought them back in to to get the. Uh Congress to vote in favor of the, the yeah, TARP the, program. The market, so the market moved the government. That's brilliant, Jack.
1: Uh, the show's Hi-Fi Radio. It is a show about money. And, uh, well, we got to make some of that around here to keep the lights on. Uh, but we are going to get back with our good friend, uh, John Johnston, uh, strategist uh, and genius, I shall say, when it comes to the world of high finance. That's what it's all about. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Stay tuned.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more hi-fi radio in a moment. On 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. The legend lives on from the Chippewa. Lake, they call the lake it is said never gives up dead when the skies of November turn gloomy.
1: such a beautiful song haunting eh
0: with load
1: of You know it's funny Jack when I come down to the studio with you once a week to do our show and we see the uh, Great Lakers uh, pull in. We with with uh, with cane in them and sugar beach and the big machine comes and gobbles it out of the boat and sends that uh, Great Laker back into the lake. But uh, quite the job, eh, being a seaman like that. And uh, those lakes are not typical lakes. They, they, they have the waves almost of oceans. They get pretty darn rough. Uh, again, we used to have a big shipbuilding yard. I remember hearing that song in 1975. I was going skiing with my father um, to Blue Mountain. And so you're going to Collingwood. And they were, I think, just about closing down the shipbuilding yards. But you still see uh, on the skirts of the shoreline, the industrial equipment that was used to make those ships. You know, they had to basically make them right on shore and launch them. And that's why uh, I speak about that with, with Kathleen, my wife. That's why she speaks about uh, Northern Ireland and why the British want the Northern Ireland so much because that's where the Irish made ships uh, near the sea. Uh, anyways, it's an interesting part of uh, Canadian history, I shall say. And those Great Lakes are very, very special to this country, um, but uh, not without, you know, loss of lives and move iron ore. Isn't that what Canada's all about? Moving stuff around, hoers of wood, and drawers of water by train and by boat. And uh, I do like the rails. When I speak about quality businesses, uh, the rails. Uh, JJ, I, I, every morning, I, I listen to uh, some jazz in my office on my Marantz stereo that my brother bequeathed to me, sort of, uh, <laughs> along with his Bose 901 speakers, I want you to come down to my office one day, JJ, you'll, you'll froth when you hear the stereo because it'll take you back and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I, I, I combs to charts every single day. It's a discipline of mine. I like to see price action on paper in a picture format and that's what charts allow me to do. And it, 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 it's amazing how the market does move together in so many ways and uh, you're seeing strength in healthcare you're seeing strength in US home builders the charts look amazing some tech looks pretty good mega cap tech driving the S&P 500 this year the likes of uh, Facebook Google uh, Apple uh, Amazon not so much but the the, for the the former three performing very very well uh Anything consumer staple, any defensive name. And I say, every time I mention stock, it looks good. Well, oh, that's a defensive. That's a defensive, says Jack. McDonald's looks amazing. Um, Dollarama, pretty good. tard looks great. Loblaws looks decent. Uh, General Mills looks good. Pepsi looks good. My Monster Beverage, which I chipped out too soon, that just broke out into an all-time high. Uh, so there, there are a lot of productive, constructive charts. But then I see a whole lot of charts that aren't working. Uh, and, you know, Caterpillar rolling over, Deer rolling over, Danaher not looking so great. And that's, again, a very high quality business. And the, stocks, and the charts, by the way, I do comb uh, through every day. It's 400 quality business. There's no junk in that pack. I, I don't follow junk. Uh, they're all good business that, you know, well, uh, pause and retreat every now and then. So, uh, JJ, if, if you can, speak to the charts, the stock charts, that is. You're obviously seeing strength in, in, in areas and weakness in areas. What's the market saying?
4: Well, I think the, I think the market's in a bit of a state of flux. You've got a lot of liquidity in the big tech names, uh, you know, for a bit of an interest rate play. Um, yeah. it, it's also a place to park money because people are active and there's trading happening there, and you can get out quick. Yeah. But we are seeing a tilt towards the the more defensive names, and that's a sign that. Uh, You know, there's some uncertainty uh, emerging going forward. I think the market's a bit sanguine still, but uh, there is signs that, uh, uh, you know, there's a defensive posture at work. And uh, I think that's going to play it. And I think one thing to keep in mind, too, every recession is different. Uh, The last recession was a big consumer recession in the U.S., not so in Canada. Uh, now U.S. consumers are in good shape, and if you look at where lending standards are tightening in the U.S., it's happening on businesses, not on consumers. So the U.S. consumer is in pretty good shape. Those staples names may may you know do better than normal through a, a you difficult. know. It's
1: funny because uh, Jack, you you spoke with Martin Robelge, our other strategist uh, at Canaccord. Martin's out of Montreal. Uh, he does a lot of philanthropy work too, eh, Jack? Uh, working on helping those with eating disorders. Um, i like to talk a lot about charity on this show. It's so important for us to give back uh, many causes. Please help one. Find one that's passionate to you and uh, support it. I digress, but I don't. It's all about money. And if you have it, you got to share it. And if you don't have it, listen to the show. We'll help you build wealth. And uh, if you want more than that, call us. We're here for each and every one of you. We know what we're doing. Just look, look at our website. We publish our success and failure each and every month. Uh, lots of transparency. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com is where you can find all of that. Um
3: Let's I would say let's talk about the home builders, wolf, cuz sure. uh, that that is a sector that is um you're talking about defensive names, but the credits tightening, uh people can't buy new cars, so you know the car park companies look pretty good. Uh on the back of that, home builders are looking really strong which are an early cyclical, which would indicate early cyclical. Yeah. Or, it would indicate that, you know, we're not going into a deep recession or if we are, I mean people are still buying homes. And I've you know I
1: want I want to dovetail into Jay, Just hold that thought JJ. I want you to dovetail into what the bond market is saying about interest rates cuz it's saying basically they're falling off a cleft. they're going well,
3: to the, the and, like and lower. Say, the, the economy is the economy slowing interest rates are as JJ talked about inverted and that's where the, the the mortgages are priced off in the US so mortgage rates have come down in the US i think that's helping the home builders but you wouldn't expect them to be doing so well you know on the uh, on the eve of a recession right jj please fill the fill, fill us in
4: well once again it has the it's What's the flavor of the recession? It's not a consumer recession in the U.S. Housing is coming back from years of underbuilding uh, and people delaying purchases. Uh, When you talk about, you know, interest rates have gone up. So that's been a pinch on housing. But lending standards are not tightening that severely on consumer lending uh, and on mortgages. And, uh, uh, I think that's a unique trait of the recession. And, uh, you know, I think it, it could still be a bit rocky on the cyclical side for the home builders, but I think from a longer term perspective, they look great. And, uh, the U S consumer is in good shape and, you know, we're probably, you know, short-term interest rates are very probably out of peak now, and they're going to come down. Uh, and I don't think, you know, If things evolve the way I believe they will, the 10-year yield is not going back to 4%. And, uh, you know, longer-term yields have more downside than upside over the next year, and that means mortgage rates are going to come down.
1: Shows Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, We're talking numbers. We're talking money. We want you to have a lot more of it. Uh, John Johnson's joining us. He's a strategist. Uh, I worked with him at one of the big banks, Then he went over to a company called Davis Ray and was their in-house strategist. And, well, uh, he's a part-time retired He still has a full-time mind when it comes to the markets. Uh, Quick break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Want
0: to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
2: Left your house this morning at right to
0: nine. could
4: have been the Willie could I think it was Willie Nelson's
1: birthday uh just the other day JJ uh, I think and I think Willie turned 90 am I right about that
4: yeah uh, he did and he performed at Willie Fest, or whatever they call it
1: it must be the Willie Nelson I don't know yeah. Wow, it's incredible. Um, welcome back to the show. Show about money. Hi-Fi radio. And yeah, I like to weave in some high fidelity. Uh, music is therapy. I can't stress that enough. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, try playing some music. It actually does help. Uh, I'm a big, big believer in that. I know my friend JJ uh, agrees. Interest rates. Um, it'll help you understand this better, too. A bit of music in the background. Uh, three-month interest rates, uh, i.e. corporate or uh, government bond deals, a uh, three-month level, are percent, 10-year interest rates are 3.3 percent, so short-term rates are 1 percent higher than long-term interest rates. Banks take deposit at the short rate, and then they lend out at the long rate, so banks for the most part cannot pay you 4 percent, lend out at 3 percent, and make money. So what do they do? They stop lending money, and that slows down the economy. That's sort of how the system works. That's why JJ is saying with the yield curve being inverted, where short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. Bank stop lending pushes you into a recession. Uh, But apparently the consumer is okay. Uh, That's what we're talking about here. Consumer discretionary stock's doing fine. We own Ferrari. Symbols race. Don't buy it, but we own it. And if you're part of our program, you actually would own it in your portfolio. Stock hit an all-time high. Uh, It continues to race higher. Louis Vuitton, Moet Chardon, stock flirting with an all-time high. That stock, by the way, owns Hennessy. Uh, Hennessy is the world's most popular brandy and they also have Hennessy XO uh, my wife likes Hennessy when she has a sore throat, just a little sippy of some Hennessy. So I bought her a small bottle of it, and it was behind the glass counter, because apparently if you walk into a liquor store now and you take something off the shelf and don't pay for it, they're not going to rustle you to the ground, they won't bust you. They allow people to basically steal stuff, so if it's more expensive, they to put it on a glass counter. But beside that Hennessy, the normal Hennessy, that's about 75 bucks for 375 mil, is Hennessy XO, and that's 350 bucks. Uh, good brands to own, my good friends. I spoke about the classics, Hennessy is a classic own classic businesses that do classic things. Uh, Ferrari, classic brand, making all-time highs. Uh, I can't stress these points enough. Uh, so, JJ, um, go, uh, General Mills, right? Food stuff, boring stuff, all-time highs. Pepsi, salted snack business, all-time highs. On the flip side to that, Louis Vuitton, Ferrari, even Mercedes-Benz has a bit of mojo in it right now high-end brands are strong so there's two themes here that we're playing where we built portfolios off of this year Jack and I as we position our clients uh, one is the reopening trade and the, and, and the pent-up travel demand trade and the other one is the Asia reopening and we've seen the success of Asia reopening in uh, wind resorts casino stock so let me speak to speak to those two uh, themes uh, is there legs left in them JJ is, uh, And what else would you build on in terms of thematic investing that you see taking place in the next 18 months?
4: Well, um, I don't know how much more likes we have in terms of uh, uh, the service side opening. I think a lot of it's kind of coming through the system now. Uh, My observation of doing a bit of travel this year is that uh, things seem to be running smoothly. Planes are full, which is good, but they've cut back on the number of... And airline
1: stocks don't look that good, by the way, if I I may throw that into the equation. Southwest not look... So they're actually trending lower.
4: Yeah. As the hotels so, look stronger. Yep. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, finding hotels was a little more challenging than we're used to. So And bookings.com,
1: by the way, again I throw that one on the table. That we own that stock. That just hit an all time high. Probably jinxed it because i the report results very, very soon. I'm probably gonna, oh boy, I'll be crying in my <laughs> soup tomorrow. But anyways, for now, the bookings looks fairly, really, really interesting. Which, sorry? Booking.com. Yeah. yeah. All time basically at an all time high. And so and, and Kathleen, my wife, she used that service all the time. It's a very good tool. Why, one of the no, reasons why I bought I the stock too. Hey, eh? yeah.
4: yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that part of the thing we've had, you know, a couple of years of reopening. It's going to start to fade a little bit. Um, as we get older, the experiential stuff will still be a bigger issue than the big ticket items. Uh, but the, the big impulse is going to fade somewhat. And I think we have to have that built into our strategy in terms of our earnings and estimates and stuff. But uh, I think the Asia reopening, um, it's happening. Um, I guess the question is: is how much more growth can t- can China generate? They built a lot of capacity. I think a lot of the ability of China to uh, put a big impulse into global growth is is diminishing. Uh, they they uh, they built up a lot of debt. They push hard on the accelerator. You don't get the same growth they used to have to, and then they get worried about debt and they clamp it back. So I'm not as bullish on China as as many are, and I think that the long term, you know, I think over the next many years, China's not going to be a big contributor to global growth like it has been.
1: Well, I'll tell you a couple couple of data points that stand out to me from China, if I may, J.J., Uh, Because you can certainly get a lot of good anecdotal information. A lot of companies do rely on China for their growth. Uh, And so I'm going to share two things with you. Number one, Estee Lauder this week reported quarterly results. Uh, That that is a very powerful company. They know what they're doing. Uh, And they do rely on the uh, emerging middle class in China, want to show off their newly found wealth by looking beautiful. Um, but the, the most recent numbers coming out of Estee Lauder, when it, when, if you listen to the conference call, uh, they're giving pretty weak guidance on a go-forward basis. So, so they actually see consumption dropping uh, from, I think, height, perhaps heightened level, but nonetheless dropping. The other point I want to make about what, what we've learned this week um, coming out of China is how aggressively they are developing uh, very competitive electric vehicles that will be hitting the global market soon. Um oh speak to that uh, if you may jj
4: well um sure they are and uh uh they're making a transition quicker than others are but i think if you look at it globally you're going to find that it's going to i still think the i i think the electric thing is somewhat overdone because i don't think the ba- the, the uh, battery technology as it is now is the one that's going to be there at the end and uh the lithium-ion batteries aren't it and they're going down a big road in China. It's interesting that Toyota and Honda are not going whole hog into EVs. I look at that. Uh, I don't think we're going to get the big boom in metals, partly because a lot of it has to do with infrastructure, and we've overbuilt infrastructure in China. Maybe if we get it happening in the U.S. Uh, and in India more, then I'll be bullish on the metals longer term, but right now no. Um, I think China's overrated in terms of its contributions, and I, I just think that's a uh, uh, the electric vehicle thing uh, or the theme is overrated as well in terms of what it's going to do, uh, because the the adoption rate is not nearly as high elsewhere.
1: But good friends, I think we're out of time. Show about okay. money each and every Saturday. Uh, JJ, uh, it is such a delight to spend time with you. It really, really is. Uh, can you do me a favor, please? Next time you come downtown... Uh, Come over to Temperance Street. uh, Pay Jack and I a visit. I want to show you uh, my newfound toy. And you were just speaking about experiences. Um, You can actually have great experiences through stuff as well i'm not a stuff guy i don't like stuff um, but uh, when you have a classic uh my brother's marantz receiver uh, i had it refurbished at the speaker shop uh, along with the speakers themselves uh for twelve hundred dollars that, that you know six thousand dollar stereo sounds so good i'm getting such value listening to it and it's the experience of the audio Uh, My friends, I can't overstate that point enough. Uh, Have a great weekend. JJ, thanks again. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager Partner. Yes, when you work with Jack and I, you end up with two portfolio managers. How powerful is that? Full transparency. You can visit us on our website, WolfgangKlein.com. Give us a call anytime. We are always here for you. And don't forget to share your wealth. Uh, Humber River Hospital Foundation, they can use your support. Of course, my favorite remains Covenant House. I don't care who you support, just support a cause. There's so many good
0: ones out there. God bless you. <laughs>